Hello, everyone. I'm Elliot Volkman, and this is Modev Presents. Each week, we chat with the latest and greatest people making a difference in the mobile world. Today with me is Jake Taylor, the Radvocate at Fuse. Uh, first, before we really get rolling, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, so uh, I'm Jake Taylor. Um, I have a background originally in uh, you know 3D graphics programming and that kind of thing, and and a lot of the guys at Fuse kind of share a similar background. A lot of the guys have done you know graphics driver development and stuff for ARM and, mm-hmm. and all this kind of random stuff. But we kind of came together and uh, you know formed a company about making app development tools because we realized that you know apps could basically look and feel a lot better, and I think we have the technology to make that happen. Very cool. So, you know, what can you tell me about Fuse? What kind of stuff uh, happens over there? Yeah, so at, at Fuse, we're a bunch of, you know, graphics and sort of compiler guys, and we uh, we really wanted to sort of bridge the gap between um, designers and developers because we're seeing a really big problem uh, with people trying to make apps um, that, you know, these people just can't really work together as effectively as we think they can. And we think we can sort of, you know, bring down the cost of making your everyday app and also make it a lot more fun at the same time. Very cool. Uh, and out of curiosity, what kind of projects and uh, things are you currently working on? Yeah, so the main thing that we're working on here is, is we're sort of building a platform and tool suite for Android and iOS upgrades, right? Uh, something where mm-hmm. developers and designers can finally actually work together like we want them to be able to, right? Uh, sure. So we're building these fast, flexible, and intuitive tools. Uh, we, we really want to meld the divide between coders and, and creatives and sort of enable the creation of these kind of apps from within like a what you see is what you get environment. Um, at the same time, we just want to streamline everything. You know, we want to reduce compile time. We want to you know, basically get your stuff on the phone faster so you can make the right mm-hmm. decisions about, what you, you know, about your design and, and really just hammer things down. Sure. And what kind of learning curve is there on it? Um, so one of the things that, that we've been looking into recently is we're we're looking into adding sort of JavaScript scripting support into our tools. Mm-hmm. And this is purely to lower that learning curve. So like as a developer, you would kind of be able to come in as, you know, with a language you would already know. So if you're, if you're doing you know, regular app logic, you'll be able to do that with something like JavaScript. Um, if you are doing more of the native code, which is a lot of the stuff that we provide, then you'll be doing um, a dialect of C-sharp that we created called Uno. And cool. so both of those are pretty pretty you know, widespread languages, so I think the learning curve on that end is, is pretty small. And yeah, then from the, from, the di- from the designer perspective, um, you know, we're, we're trying to make a lot of our designer tools really look and feel like tools you're used to. And sort of where we can't do that, we're looking into integrating those tools as well. So something like Photoshop or Sketch, if you have made a really cool app design, uh, we could probably just you know, pull that in and you know, integrate it as, as is. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's what we're up to. <laughs> yeah, it sounds awesome. So, you know, I think all of this is incredibly relevant, especially to, you know, some of the conversations that we had a couple of weeks ago uh, over at the MVP conference. So our community is still, you know, fresh, full of ideas after that. And, you know, really we talked about a whole lot of different things, anything from, you know, creating new apps, new software, uh, even creating new service offerings. Um, you know, minimal viable products are, you know, a great start. But, you know, what are your thoughts on MVPs versus larger launches? So, you know, is it ideal to create something more iteratively and release it? 
or to build something after kind of a lot of different development cycles and then push it out? Yeah, so I think uh, I, I think we just really feel like it's very, very important to get something on the market as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. And um, basically, sort of app development is, at least regarding front ends, it's like really a creative process. And it's, sure. it's any sort of worthwhile creative process is going to be really iterative. And the sooner that you can get something on the market and get actual data about you know what people want and how people use something, the better. And it's not just getting it out on the market. Even if you are sort of going to build something up over time, you still want to iterate on it internally a lot to sort of nail all the details. But we think having something you know available to the people as soon as possible is, is the most important because you get you know the best sort of data back, which is real people using your stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, obviously there's traditional uh, systems that you know, Apple provides, like Xcode and all that stuff. But you know, what kind of reduction? in development does uh, Fuse actually help with? Like, Does it cut down on the amount of time that it would take to get the app out there? Uh, would it help like, improve market share and you know, kind of get it in front of people? Oh, yeah, we, we think so, absolutely. So one, one of the things that we're kind of really seeing is that um, in order for people to get apps sort of out the door faster, um, mm -hmm. they still kind of will go through this sort of development cycle where they'll make some kind of mock-up of how they want the app to look and feel. And then sure. they go and they do some sort of, um, they take like that interactive mock-up and then they start you know, on development based on that mock-up. Mm -hmm. And so the, the idea here is that like, they don't know exactly what they're going to, you know, what, what their app is going to look and feel like up front. Like we have ideas, mm -hmm. you know, we know there's going to be a sign-up page and we might like the color blue or something. Right, but like nailing these little details, it sort of takes a really good eye and like a lot of tweaking. And sure. the problem yeah. with this is that if the materials that we're sort of iterating on take a lot of time to make changes with, um, mm -hmm. for instance, if we're like trying to you know code on an app and, and we want to change the text of a button and then we have to wait for the code to recompile, right? Our creativity starts to get really squandered, right? And suddenly we're not making right. as little sort of tweaks or you know trying as many things as we want to because it's not as fun anymore and also because like, each iteration takes a lot more time. And so we want to sort of tackle um, both the problem of you know, iterating on your design initially and also being able to build an actual app from your design. And so mm -hmm. like prototyping is, is a really good thing because you know, all the problems that sort of come from editing your code and, and recompiling all that stuff, uh, we can sort of defer all those problems, and we can we can work on our design iteratively before a single line of code is written. And this is what prototyping is attempting to do. And and there's a lot of prototyping tools that are actually getting really good, like Pixate or Marvel. And a lot of them can even let you, you know, on your phone, see how your mm -hmm. app is going to feel, and then live update, you know, from your tool directly to your phone instantly, and just you know tweak and change stuff, right? Very cool. But the thing with these tools is that even though they're very good. Um, and it's a nice sort of workflow in designing your app. Um, it kind of presents a big problem, which is still that you're producing just a prototype, right? And so yeah. you can spend all this time working on this prototype and getting it perfect, but it's not an actual app. And when the developers go and, and try to implement it, you know, even very very good developers often will, you know, they're working with different building blocks, and so they often kind of fall short because the stuff that they're, you know, making things with are different than the stuff that the designer used. Mm -hmm. And so the key kind of point here is that we want to provide the same level of like interactivity and inspiration 
um, you know, that, that kind of workflow with our tooling, but in a way that the designer is really working on code objects that the developer can then pick up and run with. Um, so then we're really onto something because, like, you know, it's even better if these tools allow our teams to iterate even more on the look and feel of the app halfway through production. Like, if you find you, oh, yeah, this sign-up page actually was terrible, right? But we didn't know until we actually made it. And this, sure. this stuff happens all the time. Or, like, maybe maybe uh, the communicating with the server actually takes more time, and we need to have some animation that, you know, to keep the user happy, right? Mm -hmm. These are things that we do need to iterate on later, and we want to also make that process easier because iteration is just really, really important. So. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you actually touched on my next question quite a bit. Um, you know, obviously prototyping is becoming a very large component, and you know these tools are becoming a lot more readily available. Um, you know, just out of curiosity, what role do you think these particular resources, the prototyping tools, are playing as more people are trying to develop anywhere? You know, from large organizations to even like one person teams trying to, you know, take that concept from their mind and put it uh, actually in, in someone's hand. Yeah. So I think, I think uh, that last sentence actually just nails what these are kind of meant to do is, is taking something, you know, from your head and, and putting it into someone's hand. Like, like if, you, if you're a kind of startup and you're looking to get, you know, investment capital and you go to the VCs, right, they don't, they don't want to see 20 PowerPoint slides, right? They want to see exactly. something they can feel and touch, and they want to look at this and say, like, oh, I actually would totally use this in my life. I mean, hopefully, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And so prototyping can really help you, you know, get to that point. But as soon as you're beyond that point and you actually kind of need a real app made, um, you know, what we're doing these days is just throwing away the prototype, right, and we start making something else. You know, right. And this is just a, in general, we think of just a huge time waster and a problem because a lot of these mockups, because the tools are good, end up being really good, right? But then why can't we have the same kind of tooling for our actual app code and our actual app content? So Absolutely. That's really, yeah. That's yeah. That's sort of the core problem that we're really tackling with our tool chain. Yeah. So that makes a great deal of sense, and I think that actually applies, you know. Obviously, in larger organizations, they don't have quite the same issue since you know some companies actually encourage a lot of kind of internal innovation. But you know, when it comes to kind of like stakeholder buy-in, you're still facing the same thing. So at the conference, you know, we had a couple of different things and actually a couple of different sessions just focused entirely on stakeholder buy-in. But uh, one of the kind of similar themes that we were seeing across the board was. You know, it's really hard to ignore a concrete example. So you might yeah. have some ideas, you might have like some slides and bullet points, but if you actually have like a prototype uh, that you can hand someone, you know, tell them to look at it and check it out, you know, I think it's entirely a different situation. I think these tools will, you know, make that incredibly easy, you know, especially when someone might not be the most tech savvy person, you know, if there's like a WYSIWYG that they can use to, you know, put something together. I think it'll help drive the point uh, much further. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the picture says a thousand words, and a working app says hopefully is you know millions of dollars, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. That's that's exactly um, the angle we're coming from. So. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of money, uh, that's actually a, a great question. So, you know, I've I've been in this process process before. Uh, I've seen how very expensive applications, especially customized applications, can cost. Uh, yeah. You know, the last one I heard it was about like eighteen grand for a pretty basic 
uh, application, which really just didn't have like that much as far as functionality goes. But you know, when these prototype tools continuously, you know, become more accessible and easier to use, how much does that kind of reduce in cost uh, to you know everyone involved? Yeah. So again, the the, the biggest thing that we think you know. The, the, the prototyping tools becoming more available really helps us sort of um, kind of reduce developer costs, like because we're not iterating so much, so many times on the design of our app when our developers are working with it, right? Because it's the code is sort of at, at least compiled code right now is is this sort of naturally slower to iterate on um, mm -hmm. than than you know a, a WYSIWYG you know Photoshop mockup or sketch kind of thing, right? Sure. And so I mean, in general, the the cost of making an app is a very sort of complicated question. Like the short answer is that you know it's complicated or it's expensive for a lot of reasons, right? Um, the mm -hmm. ones we're primarily solving are related to front end, but of course since we're developing a platform, you know we, we play nice with a lot of back end solutions as well. Sure. But um, we really think this sort of iteration time is wasting you know a lot of time, right? We wait for code to compile, we wait for the app to start on a device. A lot of times we wait for a web view to run garbage collection every few frames, right? Mm -hmm. And I think we also spend a lot of time. I mean, more from the developer perspective, uh, working with languages and frameworks that kind of aren't expressive enough in the way you sort of write code, right? As an industry, sure. we've kind of collectively ignored the benefits of having a more declarative approach to solving problems, like for the better half of the century. So if we're if we're building user experiences and you know extensions to our everyday lives, our languages and workflows need to start reflecting that. And I mean, I don't care who manages my memory or how to unhook from an event handler, right? Like I don't. I don't want to care that an animation is built with the frames, right? I want to describe how things look and move and flow. And I mean, I, I don't say if in return and invalidate when I describe what I want. You know, mm -hmm. um, designers have this in the form of their visual tooling, like they have a language to express, which is a visual language, but it's a very effective one. And developers sure. should start really having this in their languages and libraries too. And I think that's another, you know, huge mindset that we're coming from when we're designing the Fuse libraries, like declarative is king. So very cool. So I've got some kind of more uh, off topic, I guess, but relevant uh, questions for you. So you okay. know, the process of developing new apps, it really includes quite a few different key components. But uh, one of the largest challenges that I continuously see from new folks, especially like for creative apps that you know, people might not really have the concept already down, and it's not something that they would traditionally use, is the onboarding right. process. Um, oh yeah. You know, in yeah. your yeah. So in your opinion, you know, what do you see as one of the you know key components of creating you know just a really successful onboarding process for apps? Yeah, I think I think the biggest you know component for any onboarding process is you know, whether it's for apps or otherwise, is having something mm -hmm. that you can show and have something, you know, people can hold in their hands like, yeah, this is what we're doing. Right? Like even a lot of people who who succeed in getting, you know, ten developers on their team, that mm -hmm. doesn't matter if they all don't really know exactly what they're doing. Right? You might you might put a lot of force in the wrong direction, as it were. Sure. And and end up with something that you actually didn't want or need or, you know, that no one's actually interested in because your goals weren't kind of clear enough. And I think I think that ability to communicate and having you know a prototype or or just a really good way to sort of express your ideas is actually the most important part. 
like getting people excited is very easy if you have something sure. exciting. And I think that's sort of the key component there. So as far as uh, team use for, I guess, Diffuse Tool in particular, um, yeah. what kind of uh, folks tend to use it? You know, obviously developers, engineers kind of use it, designers will use it, but um, you know, is it a resource that product managers will also use to help, uh, I guess, move the project along as well? Yeah, so um, currently we're, we're in closed beta, so this is kind of speculative. Sure. Um, but it's a very good question. Uh, so in terms of designers and developers using it, it clearly helps you know, them communicate better to each other because mm -hmm. they're, they're sort of working in the same substrate, right? And right. for project managers, at least for designers and de developers to communicate towards project managers, it makes a whole lot of sense. I don't think we've really touched on specific tools for helping project managers communicate the other way beyond the mm -hmm. fact that everything is visual. Um, but I don't necessarily see that as kind of falling under the umbrella of the kind of problems that we, that we solve directly. It might be something sure. indirectly that maybe, you know, because, because it's easier for people to sort of iterate and communicate, we can say, mm -hmm. my, my project manager might ask, you know, how long does this take? You know, give me two minutes and I'll try it, right? And because sure. we're able to do that, then, you know, we might be able to streamline their kind of communication and that kind of, you know, project management process. Um, but it's, mm -hmm. it's really kind of hard to say because we're really sort of solving the, uh, you know, making front ends as fast as possible problem. But of course, it's, you know, when you, when you streamline one thing, other things just tend to go faster anyway. Like your whole business kind of starts to be a little more well-oiled. So I think we kind of solve that indirectly, but, you know, time will tell. Yeah, I think that, that makes sense. You know, any kind of development process and, you know, project management process, uh, as you kind of incorporate other tools, you know, especially ones that streamline things, you know, with like Slack coming in, everyone's, you know, improving the amount of communication that there is. So there's always uh, other tools that they're letting go and replace some other things. So uh, anywhere from, you know, increased time management to just, you know, uh, increasing communication, uh, obviously that's going to come along. But uh, it should be pretty interesting to see what folks end up doing with it as uh, you kind of, you know, move past beta and into a wider release. Yeah, another thing about, you know, communication information is because we're building an app development platform, you know, we, we might be able to in the future, I mean, this is just kind of an idea that we're throwing around, you know, we might be able to just start hooking up, you know, uh, like, you know, collecting user data and being able to expose that very naturally just because we have access to all that information as a platform, right? I mean, of course, we're not, you know, storing that or collecting it at the moment, but, you know, maybe in the future we could do that optionally and, you know, we, then someone who's developing an app could say, oh, yeah, our users pushed this button three times, but they didn't seem to find this button, right? And it's just having that information can inform your whole team a little bit more. And you can work more effectively, you know, just sort of deciding what your next step is. Like if you have an app on the market, you know, now what do we do? How do we improve, you know, onboarding from that perspective, right? It's, it's really, sure. uh, I, think, I think it's, you know, just having better tools just touch, you know, improves so many different things. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that's a fantastic point. Really, uh, user testing is a huge component, especially if you are kind of going with an iterative approach for releasing products. You know, if you can, you know, pinpoint down to a single button how many people press something versus maybe someone's not pressing it at all, it gives you an idea right. if, you know, your UX is actually, you know, solidified. Like, are people actually doing what you think they're going to do versus what they should be doing? 
Exactly. And because we're sort of doing this sort of cross-platform solution, we're in, you know, maybe a better position to do that than someone who's doing, you know, uh, just an iOS app or just an Android app because maybe you also sure. see between platforms like, oh, yeah, on this one they were hitting this button this many times. On this one they were hitting this button this many times. You know, this flow worked better on this platform and this flow worked better with, on this platform. Right, you, you you just end up with more data, and it's easy easier for us to collect because we can sort of do that in in you know a unified way. Absolutely, yeah. So, again, that's just an idea we're kind of throwing around, but you know these are the kind of things that we can do when we control a platform. Sure. So you know while we're on the topic of kind of the future and kind of concepts that you're working around, um, and obviously you all are still in beta, so that gives quite a bit of wiggle room, but. What kind of yeah. other concepts are you looking into prior to, I guess, uh, your actual full release? Yes. Yeah, so, of course, um, we're looking at, you know, the Fuse libraries and making sort of animations very easy to do and very natural to mm -hmm. express, right? And on top of that, we're doing the sort of what you see is what you get editors so that, you know, a designer who doesn't understand code can communicate the same things effectively. Sure. Um, the other things that we're kind of looking into is, Sort of once we have those pieces of technology, like where can we go with them? So right now we're focusing on you know iOS and Android because those are the two mm -hmm. you know major app sort of platforms. Um, but wearables are coming up soon. We need to um, accurately handle those because it's not just another screen size. Like you know from right. from our perspective, in one sense it is because it really is just like another device, another screen. But the way that users are expected to interact with these things is going to be wildly different, and it's likely that that people aren't just going to make an Android app. They're going to make an, an, an Android experience, right, with a mm -hmm. flow that goes between their phone and their watch, or, you know, same for the iOS case. And so we're kind of playing around with what does that mean for tooling, you know, once we kind mm -hmm. of have a multi-app setup, right? And um, so that's sort of one thing. Another thing, another area that we could definitely move into is something like IoT, right? Absolutely. Because anything with, yeah. with just like a user-facing thing. You know, we want to touch and play with it and make it super sexy, right? And we're, again, mm -hmm. in a position to do that because we have this cross-platform framework. Yeah, that would be, you know, fantastic. <laughs> um, it's great to actually hear that you're looking into that. There's so many, like, you know, creative ideas that are out there, but, um, you know, I think IoT, we're already in it. You know, the Internet's pretty much consumed us, but uh, to be able yeah. to interact with pretty much every device and the other items around our house just makes a great deal of sense. So uh, exactly. that should be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we just want to, cool. you know, get into anywhere where there's a UI. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, so with that said, where can people actually find out uh, more information about Fuse and uh, the beta as well? Yeah, so the first place to go is FuseTools.com. Um, that is, uh, I mean, we have everything there. You can sign up for the beta. You can go to our developer section, especially if you want to start checking stuff out. We have some publicly available forums and, you know, just things that are happening on our on our stuff that you can always check out. Um, just trying to keep all that open, even though the product isn't open yet. You know what I mean? Because it is it is a closed beta sure. right now because we're still really ramping up development. But um, go there. We have a development guide section on FuelSource.com, and that has some really nice tutorials. I think we just put up um, a set of examples with uh, describing some of the animation stuff that we're doing, um, which is pretty good. Uh, so yeah, all that stuff is updated really regularly. Um, if you do get into the beta, which you know we're letting more and more people in every week, 
Uh, we get releases, you know, once or twice a week, um, so it's pretty stable. And yeah, so I would just I would suggest that for sure. Fusetools.com. Of course, we also have a Facebook page, and uh, um, which I believe is also Facebook.com/fusetools. Cool. So the uh, the beta sign up I assume is on the website as well. Yeah, it's it's all available there. Perfect. Very cool. Um, yeah. Well, well, thank you so much for your time. And you know, I think what's really going to end up happening from the Modev community side, we're definitely going to be you know following along and seeing you know how you all progress. So as you guys kind of move out of closed beta into open beta, we'll probably want to check back in with you. And then of course when you have a wider release, but um, we're really excited to see what kind of things people do with what you all are doing. Um, and hopefully we can, you know, get some really cool apps coming out of it shortly too. Yeah, sounds great. I mean, we're really excited about it too. So we'll definitely keep in touch. <laughs> Absolutely.